Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Everybody, I have with me today career coach, HR pro, and consultant, Bricklin Woods. She's a resume writer, a career coach, and a four-time certified HR professional with over 15 years of experience in human resources. Today, she helps job seekers discover their strengths and attract opportunities that align with their values and natural talents by helping them see their significance and articulate their awesomeness. Her extensive HR background allows her to pull back the curtain on the recruiting process and gives her clients a huge competitive advantage. She shared career advice and resume writing tips on LinkedIn, on Blavity.com, and CareerToolBelt.com. And she is also the host of the So You Want to Work in HR podcast, which is awesome. If you um, haven't checked it out, please do. I know it's on iTunes. But Ricklin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here and have this chat with you, Virginia. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I have, um, I don't know how long we've been connected, but I've followed some of your posts for a while and I was, I'm a huge podcast geek. So I listened to your first podcast. Um, I'd love to hear, you heard me give that quick overview about your bio, but what made you sort of shift into this role of helping job seekers sort of jumping to the other side of the hiring table? Oh, goodness. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because I, I, I love my, my career story. I haven't had a linear one. It's been quite <laughs> the, the windy road. But when I first got into HR, I actually started on the recruiting side. And the reason why I wanted to get into HR is because I wanted to help people get hired. So I started as a recruiting coordinator and just wanted to be that person who could make that phone call and say, we're going to offer you the position and, you know, hear that excitement in their voice. And um, of course, I, I wanted to grow in my career. So I transitioned out of recruiting into more um, generalist type HR roles and expanded my experience and got into leadership. And so I shifted from that recruiting seat, but I often found myself having conversations with employees about their career. Employees would come in, you know, maybe unhappy about their their manager or the work they were doing. Mm -hmm. And they may wanted to, you know, kind of vent about work. But what I would also always find myself talking about is their career. And, and what I realized, a lot of the complaints, if you will, that I was dealing with with employees were centered around a lack of alignment with their career choice, but they just didn't know what to do next. So of all the great work I did in HR, what I realized I loved the most was working with people and helping them to develop and, you know, reach their full potential. So that was kind of the impetus for me making this transition. Were you ever in HR business partner roles as part of this career path? I, I absolutely was. Yeah. And there was a, um, for about six years, um, I was in a regional HR business partner role. I traveled extensively, probably three weeks out of the month um, across uh, a good portion of the U.S. I was keeping track. I think I, I visited 24 states and Canada while I was working wow. as a regional HR professional. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Well, what's yeah. cool about that is that you've been on the front lines in recruiting and then the HR business partner side of things, you really, you're driving strategy, making the, 
you know, helping, helping, making sure that the talent strategy aligns with the, the vision or the company strategy, right? Making sure that the bodies are in place and that people stick around to help. So you really did get to see everything on, on that side of the hiring table. I did. And actually working in that business partner seat, and I'm glad you mentioned it because um, I, I shifted from, you know, the true sourcing and recruiting and interviewing to, as you mentioned, being more involved in the overall talent strategy. So I was privy to and often involved in conversations around hiring, you know, frontline hourly employees to management employees to succession planning to sitting in on panels for senior leadership positions. So I've had exposure to hiring all levels. At all levels. Yes. It sounds like all different parts of a business, right? In all different parts of the business. In fact, in one of my roles, I had a kind of a unique position where I supported field operations, um, you know, supporting technicians in the field, but I also supported every function you'll find within a corporate office from finance to uh, supply chain to um, accounting to, I mean, you name it. I've had exposure to every function within an organization. Oh, that's great. Um, So... Given what you were what you were exposed to back then and what you're doing now, are there sort of common challenges that you see that people struggle with in terms of figuring out their next best move, you know, if they are jumping into job search or looking to make a career change? Yes. And actually, um, what I find the most, even in the clients that I, with the clients that I work with now, is the two biggest challenge really have nothing to do with the tactics of the job search itself, but they have everything to do with mindset and lack of clarity. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, um, from a mindset standpoint, I find that, you know, job search has a bad Wrap anyway, you know, when people think, oh my yeah. gosh, no way, jumping, jumping for joy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then you've got a lot of commentary about the job, the hiring process being broken. So many mm-hmm. people dread the job search, but they also kind of carry that negative um, energy into the job search. And I often coach my clients, you know, what you put out is what you get back. So as dreadful as a job search might be, if you approach it with that type of, you know, negative um, kind of fixed mindset, then I I feel like that has an impact on the results that that you receive. So even in, you know, such a, a dark time for some people who may be unemployed, having the right mindset, being positive, that comes through even in your interview or your phone interview or your your video interview. So mindset is important. And then lack of clarity. I mean, people, again, I think this goes back to the idea of the job search process being so complicated is they're shooting out resumes to every job that they come across, but yeah. they're not real focused in terms of, well, what are my real talents? What are my strengths? What problem am I going to be able to solve for said organization rather than just applying because it's an opening that seems interesting to them? Do you feel like when you're able to sort of make help, help make that mind shift happening happen from this is this is negative, this sucks to this is an opportunity. Do you feel like then the clarity starts to come into play because people really get excited about thinking about what am I good at? What problems do I solve? All of that. So one sort of leads into the other. 
Absolutely. And I also think, and I, I like that you point out just, you know, how you approach the experience. And when I work with clients who often are nervous about interviews, which is this common, it's, I, I yeah, was sure. nervous when I was interviewing. I find though that um, when you shift the idea from a job interview and more, and it's, it's a conversation, it's an opportunity for you to learn about this company, learn about the people you're going to be interviewing with, talk about yourself so they can learn more about you. And at the end of the day, it's just a conversation to see if there 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 is a match. Um, and I know it's easier said than done, but I often encourage my clients, as much as I know you may need this job or want this job, when we are attached to a specific outcome, it makes the process more stressful because now you're worried about, oh, am I going to pass the test, if you will? Are they going to like me? Are they going to offer me the job. But if when when you go into it just really open-minded as I'm this is an opportunity. And even if this opportunity doesn't work out, who knows what doors might open um, you know, as a result of this conversation. Who may know another hiring person at another company? So I think that all goes back into to mindset and how you approach the process. No, I couldn't agree more. It's funny my husband right now is doing a job search and he actually he um, the other day and he's like okay I think it's a job offer. I'm like, what is the role? He's like, I'm not really sure. What? Like, it was all very nebulous because all of it started out with conversations, feeling each other out, talking about strengths, talking about goals. And um, and what what I am realizing is sometimes it that leads also to opportunities to create roles that maybe don't exist. That doesn't always work with bigger companies, but some of the yeah. smaller ones, you can cobble yeah. together things from those conversations. You know what? I actually had a client who had an experience such as that where she interviewed for a role. They didn't feel like she was strong enough or had as much experience for that role, but they had been having conversations behind the scenes about Mm -hmm. adding a different role prior to her coming on to this interview. But that actually expedited that process for them. They were like, wow, she'd be a great fit for that role we have been talking about. So let's make it a real thing. And they actually did offer her the position. Right. And so it, it, it helps to me, it helps the person, the hiring manager to think outside the box on mm-hmm. what other opportunities there might be. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it's really just, um, and also the interview experience. So I do have some clients that I work with who are very, very positive and they're like, you know, even if I don't get this job, I'm getting interview experience. So the next opportunity, I'll be, you know, that much more sharp when I sit down for that interview. So again, it's just a matter of perspective. Yeah. No, everything's a learning experience, which I know mm-hmm. gets old when you're on your ninth round yes. with the client, but still, yeah. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Because I do have a client who texted me this morning who said she's really low energy after having gone through a series of interviews and um, haven't been selected. So I don't want to paint this picture that, you know, the job search process is supposed to be fun. You're going to have your ups and downs, of course. That's right. No, it, it's definitely a journey. 100%. I have a client who literally yesterday evening got an offer after his ninth interview. And during rounds six, seven, and eight, he just was he was starting to get at the end of his rope, but he did have that mindset of this is what I learned from this. This is what, and also, you know, he made sure to not have all his eggs in one basket. So he was soaking other fires while going through this process. But yeah, it, it can be arduous for sure. Um, 
happens to your client. Oh, I know. Huge congrats to him. I know for his perseverance. (laughs) Um, Holy cow. Yeah. I know. You know, Um, someone made a post on LinkedIn about, I don't know who it was, but it was like a poll, like how many interviews, how many rounds should there be? And so to hear you say he went through nine interviews. I I feel like, and I remember seeing this during the recession that to me, I'm seeing the number of hoops people are jumping through grow. Mm-hmm. Which I think happens when companies are feeling a little shaky about the market. I don't know if, mm-hmm. if you're seeing that too. If that was mm-hmm. your experience in recruiting and then on the HR side of things, yeah. And I think it's and I even try to encourage my clients. As daunting as that may sound, that is even a blessing in disguise because you get to see you know, nine different people, perhaps in the case of your client and interact with them and get a better idea. Cause it, it's a two-way street. Like you're making a decision as well. So the more as- That's as a really good point. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, you might meet that one, one or two people, then you say, mm, not for me. And then you've dodged a bullet. Exactly. So I know it's, no, you know, really thinking fun. nine interviews, that seems like a lot. But if you, again, mindset is everything looking at it, this gives me more and more opportunity to see what this company is really all about. I love that. Um, well, so shifting gears here, um, you have worked with companies big and small, all aspects of HR. Can you share a little bit about how the recruiting or the hiring process might vary depending on the size of the company? Because everyone, it, it always works a little differently, right? It does. And I actually, ironically, had this conversation with a client yesterday and um, she's targeting more smaller companies. In fact, she works in the medical field, so she's smalling smaller practices. And so I was sharing with her going through the process with them is probably going to be a lot less informal for a few reasons. I mean, if you wanted to, you can drive up to that practice door and and see if you can talk to someone. There were larger companies, that's not going to happen. So the approach would be different. So for sure, and I've worked as a consultant with small companies as well. And so you might have, you know, you're the owner of the company who may be using ZipRecruiter or Indeed to source and and, and screen candidates. I have a... excuse me, a client of mine who was just hired not long ago as an HR generalist for a small 60 60 employee organization Mm -hmm. and the CEO of the company found her on Indeed and he called her. They had a, I think she had one interview and she was hired where a larger company, like I have another happen. Right. I have a company who um, interviewed with a much larger tech company and they have a whole team. They have sourcers, they have screeners, they have the first phone interview. It's like this whole committee of people that's involved before you even get to the hiring manager. So it's definitely going to be different depending on the size of the organization. Is it your sense that the smaller companies are the ones that tend to use the recruiters and the indeeds of the world um, where larger companies maybe do something different? For sure, Zip Recruiter. That's what I've I've seen a lot of. Um, even a couple clients that I've worked with, they they said they were contacted through Zip Recruiter. Smaller firms. Okay. I I do get the sense, and I'm very well connected with quite a few recruiters at larger companies and on LinkedIn, and they seem to use LinkedIn a lot more and actually doing, um, you know, using LinkedIn as a database, which is why it's so important to have your LinkedIn profile, you know, properly optimized yeah. for search because I do. I think that's where larger recruiters and even recruiters that I've had conversations with, they leverage LinkedIn a lot more. Well, yeah, no, I would agree with that. I'd also say that even, you know, caution people to make sure just because they're targeting smaller companies that you still, you still want to have your LinkedIn looking 
mm-hmm. sharp and solid because even if they source you through ZipRecruiter, that doesn't mean they're not going to check out your digital footprint, right? That's a really good idea. Good, good point. Thanks for sharing mm-hmm. that. Well, that's good to know. You know, I always hear, I, I hear ZipRecruiter ads on tons of podcasts and I thought they're probably not targeting 14100s here. This seems to be a smaller to midsize, you know, uh, sales yeah. message, but I didn't really, that's good to hear it confirmed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to ask you about the hidden job market, which is a little different than the, you know, sourcing through ZipRecruiters. Um, mm-hmm. There's lots of people that champion it. Um, it you know, when I'm, when I, I, you know, I'd love to hear if you have a different take on the definition, but when I think about hidden job market, it's not just jobs that don't get posted. It's jobs that do, while the posting is taking place, conversations are happening to see about people that might be a good fit. Um, mm-hmm. so I'd love to hear a lot of people that say, bypass applying online. You really need to try to work to have those conversations. Um, and then there's others that talk about focusing on applying online. You know, what are What are your top thoughts on it? And how do you advise job seekers to sort of navigate finding out about and landing roles? Mm, that was a long a, question. Sorry. That, that's okay. It's a very, very, very good question. And I think we, we share similar views on what would be considered the hidden job market. You know, there's, of course, the old saying, it's not what you know, but who you know. But I mm-hmm. like to kind of flip that on its head and I take it a step further. It's not just who you know, but it's who knows you. Because there's a difference. Ooh. I could know a lot of people, but if they don't think of me, um, you know, when that opportunity comes up, when they're at the, you know, conference room table talking about this new opening, if Rickland's name doesn't come to mind as a viable option, then it doesn't matter how many people I know. So it's about positioning right. yourself. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think that's so key. So I think, um, you know, we everybody's talking about the importance of of networking and, and really being connected, which I totally agree with. I think, unfortunately, sometimes people wait too late to start building mm-hmm. those relationships. So I think they would be in a dis, at a disadvantage um, for the most part when it comes to tapping into the hidden job market. I think you have to be well networked, well positioned in order to really see any benefits from tapping into the hidden job market. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of my, my thoughts on that and just really making sure um, that you're being proactive in your career and, and not becoming, I think you can, you can feel comfortable at a job if you're, you're working for somewhere for a good number of t- years and things are going well, but you still got to be thinking about that. What if, and making sure that you're positioning yourself well, as an as an expert or you know a skilled person in your field, do you? And I know. I guess the, the question is going to be a broad generality, but mm-hmm. there's all sorts of figures around. This is the percentage of jobs that are really landed through the hidden job market. Um, do you feel like it's a majority? Do you feel like it's not? Are those numbers huge? You know what I can. I will say from my experience and the clients that I've worked with, I think that number is a little bit skewed and that there there are not as many jobs being landed from the quote unquote hidden job market, if you will. But again, that's just my, that's my feel based on, you know, whether my clients or even, you know, I I collaborate with quite a few other resume writers and career coaches and Mm -hmm. 
most of them that I know of, their, their clients are applying with very excellent, you know, resumes that have been done quite well. Um, and then they're landing interviews that way. So I haven't had a lot of experience with my clients having success with the hidden job market. Okay. So that's it because I have seen the reverse, um, but I haven't been on the HR side. So, but my experience has been that people by tapping into their network, they're finding out about, they're, they're having the conversation so that when the opportunity arises, they get a call and say, that says the posting came out, go apply now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's a function of as you move up the ladder, they shouldn't call it a ladder. They should call it a pyramid. And so mm, that's good. Yeah. More people are fighting for it. Um, I don't know, but yeah. the, the, I should, the, when I have worked with people that are not necessarily entry level, but more that middle level, they have more success applying online. Yes. Yeah, so I, and I, I would just to clarify that, like, I do believe the hidden job market exists. I just, I think that more people than not are not benefiting. I think to your okay. point, if you're in a higher leadership level position and I work with more, I'd say manager to d- director level, um, okay. getting ready to go into that director level role. I don't mm-hmm. work with a lot of executive levels, but I definitely think the higher you are, the more likely um, you're not going to be going through the process of applying. Yeah. For roles. Yeah. And I, but what I love about what you said right at the beginning is that based on the size of the company and what's going on, you, you know, you need to adapt your approach. So if you're, you know, if you know it's a senior leadership role and it's a smaller company, you're going to handle your your networking and your approach to them one way versus if you're looking at an executive position at a, you know, big fat Fortune 500. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, thank you for that. Um, so, I'm hoping you can settle this for uh, for the for those of us that are always raging debating about ATS or applicant tracking software systems. Um, yeah, I'll bet no. you've seen your fair share of the different systems. I Do you recommend have. PDF or Word <laughs> to submit? I strongly recommend PDF. Now, maybe, maybe okay. not for the same reasons as others. I am. I don't. I don't spend too much time with my clients trying to beat the applicant tracking system. Um, yeah. I, I write resumes for the human that that is is going to be reading it at some point. Um, the reason I like PDF is because um, it's a much more cleaner document, and that depending on the device, as I'm sure you know, depending mm-hmm. on the device that you open a Word document, it, the formatting could get all. Um, it does. It gets wild. wonky when you send it. <laughs> on mobile or yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are are digital and on their phones. Even recruiters are, you know, opening up resumes on their phones. So um, I would, I would not want my client to just run the risk of, you know, a recruiter opens it like, oh my gosh, I can't even read what it is. And the next mm-hmm. thing you know, they move on. I also like PDF because even as a, um, as a job seeker, if you're tweaking your resume a little bit to tailor it, at least I find for me, when I convert it into PDF, by it being such a clearer document, I'm, at, I'm able to catch errors easier than if it's in Word form, format. I don't know why me that is. Me too. I don't either, but I find the same thing. Okay. Um, Not alone. <laughs> but I'm with you, right for the humans primarily. Don't yeah. try to don't try to beat the system. It's ideally mm-hmm. you write for you write if you write it well. It could be read by the um, read by the bots. Um, yeah. But I mean, I've seen huge advancements in ATS 
Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. which is making my writing much easier. I don't know about you, but yeah, um, I've actually tested some. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've tested some. No, ATS I wish I could. Systems. I actually learned this at one at the um, the resume writers conference, the NRWA. So I can't take credit for it, but someone made a recommendation. There are a few, like if a company uses Workday or mm-hmm. I can't remember the other one, but as if you're going to submit an application, but you don't submit it, but you can see actually how the resume is going to upload and populate. Um, and PDFs have, I have not had any issue with a PDF actually being able to be parsed through the system, at least in those kind of modern ATS systems for sure. So now, I, I do put an emphasis on keywords. I'm, I want to be clear about that. Yeah. Um, but that's also not just for the applicant tracking system. That's for the eyeballs of the recruiter. That's right. That's for humans that are looking for certain <laughs> words, 100%. Yes. Um, you can bet if the eye's looking at it, they programmed ATS for it too. Um, yes. I can't believe I missed that ATS. Oh, uh, the ATS... Uh, was it in the conference last year? I must have missed that. Yeah, it was. I can't remember who suggested it. Um, but yes, I was like, wow, I didn't even think to do that. And I was, I asked the question, like, you're not submitting it when you do that, are you? Like, no, I'm not submitting it. But you know, she's created an account and she can go in mm-hmm. up to the point where before you submit. I'm like, well, I'm gonna try that. So I tried it with a few of, of my resumes and it parsed perfectly fine. That's great. What about Canva resumes? Have you tried have you had any? In my experience, no. it it, won- it makes it super wonky, even when you submit PDF. And I don't know why that is. Yeah, I have not. I, I've not used a Canva resume. I, and uh, quite honestly, I, there was a time I was into doing a little bit more graphics in my resumes, but I've simplified it quite a bit because I realized, you know, really what people, what recruiters are looking for is content. I may add a splash of color just to differentiate a little bit from a branding perspective for my clients, but I have really simplified the approach and focused much more on, on quality content. I, I'm with you. And plus with, uh, when, because you don't know what systems you're dealing with, um, the more design heavy ones, I think you run a bigger risk of things just getting convoluted. But, and, and mm-hmm. additionally, a lot of those templates, there's so much space for graphics that you don't get to focus on content. Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree a hundred percent. Um, so shifting gears, I would love to, and I asked this question of everyone, I'd love to talk with you about discrimination when it comes to hiring practices. Um, we have seen for you know, for decades, age discrimination, ethnicity, gender, all of it. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the topic and how do you advise job seekers uh, on the best way to navigate this? It's really so ironic that you're asking this question because I had a call just yesterday with a client who is 65 years old and that topic came up. And I was, and I'm saying this with my HR hat on, with my mm-hmm. career coach hat on. Ageism is real. Discrimination is real. You know, as much, and I, I do think organizations are implementing things to try to help um, mitigate it or eliminate it in certain instances, but yeah. you're dealing with human beings. So it, it's, it's human beings. It. It's hard to get isms out of people's brains. Yeah. It's just a part of it. So what I try to encourage my clients to do is be realistic. It, it's out there and to control what you can control. Mainly, you don't want to work somewhere that they don't want you to be working. So if you are applying for a position or interviewing 
for a company and they don't hire you and it happens to be because of your age or if it happens to be um, because of your ethnicity or gender, most times you really don't know. You won't know why actually, because they're going to give you another reason, but you can't, you, you can't control it. But what you can control is making sure you, you're seeking out organizations that value diversity, whether it's age, gender, race, um, diversity. I know I have, um, and I, I shared with this particular client and she didn't know that AARP actually has a job board. So I think being Ooh. proactive and recognizing that there are organizations who as part of their diversity initiatives are looking to hire mature um, employees. So it exists and figure out ways around it the best way you can. But at the end of the day, you want to work somewhere where they want you to be yeah. and, and, and know that that door will open. Um, I don't know if you know Mark Miller or not with Career Pivot, but he works a lot with um, baby boomer job seekers. And I remember he was one of my first guests on my podcast three years ago. And I remember he said to me, um, use LinkedIn, look at the dang pictures. Like, look, mm. if, if you want to know if they're hiring people that yeah. are, have lots of gray hair, go on and look. And you could do that with yeah. gender. You could do that with, with um, you know, color of your skin. And mm-hmm. that that helps you to separate from who's talking the talk and who's, you know, living it. So I totally agree. I thought that was really good advice. It is. And I think there, and I, I've had clients that have done that. They look at the employees on LinkedIn. They're like, well, you know, they don't look to be hiring. They don't have a very diverse workforce. So, mm-hmm. and, and that can be, you, you can look at that a couple different ways because if they don't appear to in terms of race or, or skin color, because you, mm-hmm. that's really all you can go on. It could be that they're you know, maybe they're, they're in the middle of shifting that, especially where we are today. Um, so right. I, I try to encourage people, don't be discouraged by that. Um, you might be the first person that they hire. That may as be part of a, as part of a welcome initiative. No, that's true. And I think that's where conversations can can take place as well. Mm-hmm. For yeah, sure. no, that's, that's true. Um, you, it, but controlling what you can control is such good advice. Because um, you can feel, I mean, it can be such a self-defeating prophecy if you feel like you are you that you're set up to fail. Yes, I, know, no I totally agree. I totally agree. To your with point, that. like mindset is everything, and if you go in thinking the cards are stacked against you, and there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And really and that will show yeah. up and show out. I even shared with the with the client I just mentioned, who's who's older, that if you show up in an interview with a lack of confidence, um, that the interviewer can kind of sense that. So to your yeah. point, if you don't, if you go into it already thinking like, oh, here right now, because she mentioned most of the people I'm interviewing with are millennials. They won't want to hire me. Well, if, that, if that's your mindset going into it, then that's probably what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. Um, to me, the ageism one is the easier one to overcome at least on paper um because you can to me the biggest some of the biggest uh biases that people attribute to to older gen xers and baby boomers is on i'm in that file is that we are slow to adapt to adopt technology and that we think we're the smartest people in the room so you can (laughs) and so you can you can show that on paper that you love to keep learning that you know software that you collaborate with people um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know you can't change your gender you can't change your ethnicity that's a different 
Right. Um, Very, very good point. One thing I want to point out in terms of ageism too, because I know you see this in your work where you're working with a client with over 20, maybe even 30 years Mm -hmm. of experience. And some of that earlier career experience is really relevant to what they're looking to do in the future. But of course, when you have your employment dates there, it can tend to date you and people can do the math and figure out how old you are. But there are creative ways to still capture that experience without using dates. And so that's what I've done with a few of of my clients, whether it's creating an earlier career section with no dates, but just highlighting the work that they've done or through an accomplishment section that highlights some of that older work without actually including it on the resume. So that's another way for those who may be listening and concerned about how do I capture all of this wonderful experience I've had for the last 30 years, 20 or 30 years without dating myself. What I love about that section, in addition to making the person sort of timeless is what I like to say, so that nobody knows if we're 30, (laughs) you know, 35 or 75, is that it eliminates the, I call it the rabbit hole phenomenon where the reader starts seeing dates that are, you know, back in the early 2000s, 90s, and they go, oh, Mm -hmm. I wonder, I wonder if it is. I wonder when they went to school. Just all that side nonsense (laughs) that you don't, if you have 10 seconds to make an impression. I don't want two to three seconds spent with that stuff. And we all do it as human beings. So Uh that eliminates it. You're absolutely right. We alluded to this next question earlier, but I'd love if you have anything to add, I'd love to hear it. Um, How important of a tool do you think LinkedIn is to job search? And and how do you have any recommendations on how job seekers can use it to their full advantage? We've talked about looking at pictures. We've talked about how we know that people look at us. For, mm-hmm. for searching. You know what? I, I think it is a very important tool. Although I've had some recent experiences that's kind of raised a slight question mark in my mind because I have had a few clients recently who landed jobs relatively quickly. And I don't believe their LinkedIn profile was really what made the difference for them. It was more so their resume. Now, not, not to say that hmm their LinkedIn profile shouldn't be up to par, but I, I struggled even. It wasn't the factor. No, it it was not. In fact, because I do LinkedIn updates and two of my clients landed jobs before I even had finished the update on their profile. So I guess you really didn't need that um, so much, but I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of LinkedIn more so from the standpoint of, um, Yes, like I mentioned earlier, searchability. I think that that's important. Um, also, showcase a little bit of your your personality. I share with my clients that LinkedIn is no longer a digital static resume. It's actually kind of mm-hmm. like your own personal website now, um, a personal landing page, if you will, where if somebody wants to go and learn a little bit more about you besides where you worked, they can do that on LinkedIn. Whether it's through your activity section or your about section, it, it, people can. You know, potential hiring managers can glean a little bit of insight into your personality. So I think it could help in that standpoint. And of course, you know, being able to reach out um, in terms of networking or either reaching out directly to hiring managers. So I highly recommend for my clients, um, if they can figure out who the hiring manager is or who the recruiter is or any recruiter at the company for that matter to apply online and reach out and introduce themselves. So it's, it I like it as part mile. of a strategy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it to me. Nothing is one magic bullet, but yeah. together they can really help drive a great job search strategy. Now, did you, with the people that 
you were working on the updates and they'd already landed? Did you, was there, are there any common themes that you saw? Like, were they all in sales or were they all targeting X kind of a company or not really? Yeah, good. So I primarily work with HR clients and these, okay. these were all HR clients. And um, the only common commonality, I would say, um, they, they were both in HR business partner roles. Mm-hmm. Um, they both had really good resumes and I'm not just tooting my own horn, but I'm, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think that's, yeah. that's a fair question that, that you're asking. Um, yeah, they... Hmm, that's I, interesting I because yeah. I wrote to, in the last month, two of my clients have um, interviewed, well, one landed, one interviewed um, in HR business partner roles, one on the East Coast and one on the West okay. Coast. And they both got found through LinkedIn. Now, the one who wow. landed, she was, but she was targeting big companies like Amazon mm. and and. The other one is targeting smaller. So it's interesting. I have to keep it yeah. up. And that's why I love to talk to people that are, <laughs> that have your background because everything's always evolving and we need to, as writers, we need to keep up with that. Yeah. And, and it's, I think this is also good to show, like you mentioned, there is no silver bullet. There is mm-hmm. no one way. And I even share with some clients or, or even prospects, you know, you can talk to another resume writer, career coach, and they may tell you something completely different than what I would say, just because our experiences are different and mm-hmm. just different perspectives. But um, and, and I'm reflecting as we're having this conversation and all of my clients that have landed jobs within the last month or so, it's they applied online. They applied online and got a call within a couple of days for an interview. And that is where it started for them. That's wild. Um, well, I always say with, um, in term, because you're right, everyone's got opinions. Everyone's got different uh, viewpoints. Yeah. When, when I write my clients' resumes, I always say, go, go run it by five people. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to say something, but if three people say the same thing, then we have something that we need to address. That's a very good approach. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Because, yeah, because there are, and all of us have different stories. And, and I try to guide everything I do based on hearing lots of different stories and making mm-hmm. the, the best choice for the majority, I guess. Yes. Um, so one of my favorite questions, uh, someone pulled you aside in a crowd if we're ever let out of our houses and asked you, um, all right, I'm going to start job hunting. What are a couple of tools that I absolutely need to have before I hit, hit the ground running? What, what would you say those tools need to be? That's a good question. So I consider a resume to be a tool. And I don't, I don't know if that's what you yeah. mean by tool, but that is really what I consider. Everyone has different definitions. That's why I keep this question <laughs> in here because I keep hearing different answers. Yes. And, and I see it as that um, it's definitely a tool because it's usually going to be the thing that is going to land you that that first interview, but not just any resume. I think it's very important to have a targeted and well-tailored resume. So I often do, I do a resume review before I work with the client and mm-hmm. Their resume is so broad, and I find that a lot of people just dump everything they've ever done on a resume because the idea. I think they're thinking, to no fault of theirs, is well, I need to put everything I'm good at, everything I've ever done on this resume, so that they can see how great I am. Yeah. But they don't understand that that is actually 
counterintuitive and you're really confusing the recruiter more than anything. And if you're expecting a recruiter to look at your resume and try to figure out how you fit into their puzzle, they, they don't have the time to do that. So you help yourself by helping them really see relatively quickly what value you bring based on the position that you're hiring for. So I can't stress enough the importance of a clear, um, and when I say targeted, yeah. and I, I see targeted and tailored as a little, as two different um, concepts, and I'll explain why really briefly. Okay. When I, when I think targeted, I think, because I, I work with, again, mainly HR professionals who, who could go in various avenues within HR that they right. worked as a generalist. But I really try to encourage them to identify a target. Are you looking for an HR business partner? Are you looking for a director level role? Are you looking to do more benefits? So that's the target. That's right. You're right. Because how you write an HRIS resume is very different than how you write a business partner resume. Yes. And then the tailored portion is you could look at three HR business partner job descriptions and they'd be different depending on the organization. They may be a heavier focus in employee relations. There might even be a heavier focus on recruiting for this said HR business partner position, depending on how that company is structured. So really paying attention to the job description and and trying to glean and identify what's really the essential functions of said job and how do I tailor my resume so that I'm really emphasizing, um, you know, my work and experience in this area. That's such a good... That's, that's, that's how I look at trying it. Trying to glean the, <laughs> glean the focus. No, that's a really, really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are on the same page with targeted and tailored. Awesome. Um, okay. Always good to know. <laughs> when, when you're alive. We do not suffer on this one. <laughs> um, okay, so last question, my favorite one. Uh, so you have a business, you have a podcast. Um, what is next for you? Wow. You know, at this point, and I'm still growing my business, still growing my brand. So I, I see in 2021, just continuing to, um, to, to continuing to grow and, and continue to grow my brand and get better at podcasting. Cause I am, am new at it. You're um, a newbie. And, <laughs> I am a newbie. Um, and, really to be able to continue to impart, you know, insight, information through my content on LinkedIn. Um, th- th- that's it. That, that's, that's all I'm thinking about right well, that, now. No, that is exciting. <laughs> so I have included um, on your, as part of your bio, that'll be on my website and on iTunes and all that, your RicklandWoods.com website, the link to the So You Want to Work in HR podcast, and then your LinkedIn uh, profile as well. But those Thank are the three you. best places to follow you and learn more about you. Is there anything else that you want to reference? You know what? You nailed it. Those are the three ways to reach me. I am primarily on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn and the community that I'm building there, um, you know, with with folks like you and others in the career space and HR space. So find me on LinkedIn. That's where I hang out the most. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Ricklin, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I um. I continue to learn and thank you for your contributions to helping grow my brain and my knowledge. Thank you. I, I, I'm always learning from from you and things you post as well. So I, I am honored to be a guest on your show. Thank you for having me. Have a great rest of your day. You too. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, 
please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.